listening to a 9to5.cc podcast. Welcome back to a brand new episode of the 9to5 Entertainment System. If you are enjoying the show and want to support us uh, financially, you can do so by heading to patreon.com slash 9to5cc and subscribing uh, at our 90s superfan level. You will get an access to uh, two episodes of the 90s companion show called Garbage Time. Uh, that we record after each and every episode. On this week's Garbage Time, we talk about old skate videos from the 90s and the finale of WandaVision. But if you don't want to do that, maybe just tell your friends about the show and listen to this one because we talk about a bunch of great things on the main show too, like AEW Revolution, Shaq, the UFC, new hockey coaches, Minimum Wage, Dr. Seuss, Tron, and Raya and the Last Dragon. And finally, we give Scott what I'm sure is going to be the best movie ever. It has a number in the title. Let's do a podcast. We are What's kicking. Happening? We are kicking this podcast off like AEW Revolution ended. Pew. <laughs> Poof! <laughs> I was literally just telling John about it's this. True. I just had. I, I actually get this reference for once. <laughs> uh, I mean, didn't watch it, but you know. Well, you you watched the. I, I sent you the clip of the of how it ended. I did see the important part. <laughs> With a couple of, a couple of, it's on loop right now in my other window, and I keep looking over to the side and seeing like, Psh. so. Did you see any of the fallout of it afterwards? Yes, I, I, I watched the entire pay per view and was following along with the the fallout while I was getting ready for bed. So I'm I'm fully up to date. With with all of this, how they're kind of spinning it into kayfabe also is like sort of brilliant because they have to do something. Well, that's um, the thing that kills me is that Eddie Kingston jumps on Moxley to shield yeah. him from the explosion yeah. and is so injured that he needs medical assistance. That the techs run in to see to him. He's he's non-responsive, and then Tony yeah. Khan tweets, "Well, the bombs were fake." <laughs> like. God damn it, you just threw Eddie Kingston under the bus. Well, so, okay. So, last night uh, was the AEW Revolution pay-per-view, and John Moxley, formerly known as Dean Ambrose, and Kenny Omega decided to have an exploding barbed wire death match, which, first of all, uh, is hilarious just as a name. They also knocked it out of the park by making a special t-shirt for it that just looks like a grindhouse poster, like with all all the exact fonts and like Japanese lettering across the middle and whatever. And you're like, this looks like an insane thing from the 80s. But no, it happened in 2021 and it was two of the best wrestlers in the world deciding to do it. Um, match itself was great and gnarly and, and had, like I was telling John before we started recording, usually these like weird, insane, twisted ECW nonsense happens with like, not two of the best wrestlers. It's like guys who can't make it as like legit wrestlers. And so they're like, let's do stupid hardcore stuff. But this is the opposite. This is two really, really, really good wrestlers by like any stretch of the imagination decided to do insane hardcore stuff because they're idiots. Part of the stipulation is that the ring is going to explode at the end of a 30 minute time limit. So in addition to three of the four ring sets, uh, sides of the ring, uh, have barbed wire wrapped around the ropes, which is like actually like my understanding with people in the know, like the green phantom is they kind of like shave the barbed wire down so it can hook and tear your flesh, but not like really get you like just kind of like, important. Yeah, exactly. But it, but it still gets you. Like you see a couple times, like in this match, like someone goes into it and comes back and you see like skin kind of like 
pull and tear as the guy like threw the shirt. You're like, ugh. Yeah, there was That's a scene of Moxley when he went through a barbed wire table. Yeah. Crawling himself off of it like he was wearing a Velcro suit. Like every time he tried to pull one way, he would get stuck somewhere else. Yeah, and it exactly. Awful. Yeah, exactly. That's it. They 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 shave him down to not like you're not going to like rip open veins or whatever like you might in actual barbed wire, but like you're going to get cut up pretty bad in this stuff. So, uh, yeah, three of the four sides of the ring are wrapped up in this thing. There's also um, pads of more barbed wire on the outside of the ring. So if you get thrown over the top rope. Uh, you land on the par- pads of barbed wire. And also, every time you hit anything, there's like flashbangs that go off, which are like explosions, hence the exploding ring. And then the entire ring is supposed to blow up at the end of it, of course. And Kenny um, Omega had an exploding bat covered in barbed wire. Yeah, also great. <laughs> like a barbed wire bat that he hits, and as he hits, there's a flashbang that explodes out of the bat. That one looked amazing. Yeah, that was the winning blow, right? Yeah. Uh, and then everybody has to run away and try to evacuate. And then Dean Ambrose, I mean, uh, John Moxley's friend, uh, real life friend, actually, like they came up on the Indies and stuff, Eddie Kingston, who he's been kind of like feuding with, like runs in and is like, no, we got to get him out of there because they left John Moxley in the middle of the ring to die, presumably <laughs> in kayfabe. And he runs in and then throws himself on top. And instead of the exploding ring, and if you look up old uh, exploding barbed wire death matches, because this is not a match type they invented. This is, in fact, like the signature match of a crazy guy in Japan, <laughs> like who's done several of them. <laughs> uh, Presumably, that, they went better than this. <laughs> exactly, that's it. They, they, they. That is a normal stipulation: is that at a certain point, the whole ring explodes. It's like a normal thing for these matches. If you look them up, like some of them, they go nuts with them. Like I showed you a pretty good one. There's mm-hmm. one that I couldn't find that was even crazier, where it was like in the middle of a parking lot, and like they zoom back to like a helicopter shot, and I'm not even sure, like. I know it is exploding outwards and they're on the inside, but like it's the outdoor one, like the, the explosion is like two stories high kind of thing. And I'm like, awesome. that must still, still get real hot, even if it's blasting away from you, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but instead, basically like the four ring posts kind of like shoot sparklers. There's a little bit of smoke and it's like, pop. and then the announced team and Eddie Kingston proceed to act like it actually exploded because they don't know what, they what don't else are you going to do? The show must go on. Well, <clears throat> so this is the, 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 the bit, right? Is This is where how they're kind of spinning it, how they're doing whatever, is in kayfabe, Kenny Omega built the ring himself. Like, he, it was his stipulation, so him and his crew of friends did it. So there's, like, half of a, like, Kenny did it badly. Half There's a half chance that maybe they tro- they did it to troll him anyway, you know? And they were just sort of like, how we wanted you to look like a bunch of sissies, thinking you were about to die, and then it was nothing. And then... Like they're 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 obviously going to try to like spin it because everybody saw it happen and it did not look like Didn't the ring go. exploding. Yeah, and then uh, and yeah, so like the one of the 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 like the kayfabe explanation to why Eddie Kingston needed medical attention was he was just so overcome with with grief and emotion, thinking <laughs> thinking he and his friend were about to die that he like went into shock. <laughs> you know, amazing. Like so convinced he was about to die. And and on top, Eddie Kingston's also like a great, great promo, great on the mic. And people are already like like fan like ghostwriting the promo and being like like him like with tears in his eyes, but like angry, you know, like mad that they've compromised him as a man to be like when you're in there and you're sure that you're with your brother and you're about to die. And he's like, Yeah, things get emotional, things get intense, you know, like and then you pull this crap, you know. Um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I do you watch BTE? I, I, I do. I, I will just just to close though. Uh, the person who I think is most happy about this botch is uh, Player Uno. 
<laughs> the reason player Uno is most happy about evil, this botch. Evil Uno. Evil, evil Uno. Uno, yeah. Is it greatly overshadows his botch. Yep. John, he's standing on the outside of the ring. A guy gets like whipped at him. The guy does like a hurricana, a hurricane rana on him, which is where he like kind of like a leg scissor, and then you like you're supposed to spin the guy and give him some momentum. Sure. But A, it's Marco Stunt, who's about 95 pounds, and he just kind of like spins and flies off of, of Evil Uno. And then Evil Uno in the cell, I guess he thought he was closer to the ring post than he wasn't. He's like outside on the apron, proceeds to run for about 10 feet headfirst into the pole post, <laughs> knocks his, like, and then, then hits the post and then sells like he hits the post. Like it looks like a live human being doing a video game glitch. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the stupidest thing in the world uh-huh. and greatly overshadowed by the fact that the ring did not explode. So I'm sure Evil Uno is like, thank God, no one will be talking about my, like, very, very comedic botch. Right. <laughs> Until today's BTE, when they do the Dark Order segment, and they all laugh at him. Yeah. <laughs> and then Five tries to get in on it, and they're like, shut up, Five, you were out first. <laughs> and then they move on. Yeah. Poor Five. Uh, yeah, it was a fun pay-per-view. I think uh, overall it was a, a pretty good pay-per-view. I think a lot, of, uh, a lot of the internet is starting to not necessarily turn on AEW, but the, the shine is starting to wear off, where... Yeah, a lot of the times, sometimes stuff comes together and like sound cues don't work and there's a lot more botches and whatever. And they're like, yeah, because there are a bunch of indie dudes who are suddenly on television. And like part of going to an indie wrestling show is that it's not the most polished thing in the world. And absolutely, I think they're getting there and they're getting better and all that stuff. But this is like television wrestling for most of these guys is like brand new. And I think that like the, oh, there's a cool, happy new wrestling promotion stuff, especially this pay-per-view. People were like, this is amateur hour. I was like, I don't know, man. They they threw people into barbed wires and knocked around, and I laughed. And there was pretty good wrestling in the middle. Calm down. <laughs> the ladder match was cool. And uh, I also understand now why uh, WWE uh, makes people drop their last name. We were going we were going over it. So now within AEW, there's Jake the Snake Roberts and Justin Roberts, no relation. There's Brian Cage and Christian Cage. No relation. There's Adam Page and Ethan Page. No relation. <laughs> like I was like, this is why you you have people with one name because I was like, you're like, are they related? No. I'm like, there's not that many people in the world. Why do you have so many of them with the same last name? Did you see Dynamite the night before? Just one last pop culture thing. Uh, like the Wednesday Wednesday night Dynamite. One last pop culture thing, isn't that what we do here? Yeah, yeah. so uh, oh, one Scott last is, pop culture wrestling thing. It was with, the with Cody Rhodes yeah, Shaquille was, O'Neal match. Yeah, what Scott is talking about is Cody Rhodes uh, wrestled Shaquille O'Neal, NBA All Star Shaquille O'Neal, and Shaquille O'Neal actually wrestled a match. Yep. Like it wasn't just a celebrity spot. Like he took a couple bumps. He did a power bomb. Then he, he didn't. Did, co- he took a then, couple bumps. Did you see the finish? And then, and then Cody like cross bodied him to the outside of the ring through a table. I'm like. That's through two tables because it's Shaq. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> also, good gods is he big? Like yeah, it's one Shaq of like, is like enormous. Like I understand how big Shaq is. Like I can look it up and see that he's like seven foot something. And I can I've seen seven him play two. basketball seven two. And I've seen him play like basketball, which is where most people like the shortest guy is six six or whatever. And he's still huge, like in a basketball game. But then to see him against like. Cody Rhodes, who I think is like six feet tall, and he's like ta- like towering over him. And then to see him with like uh, like Red Velvet and uh, Jade, Jade, Jade Cardell, Jade Cardell, who are like you know 
wrestling women because it was an intergender match they like come up to his belly button and these are grown people these are like <laughs> like same species question mark like it's he's so big think about a sh- chihuahua next to a like a great dane you know same species that has a lot of range within it they're canine they're they're like that's subspecies like i think they're not they all can all breed together that's they could breed together i think that means that they're like not far off but i feel that they're not I don't know. That's the only definition of a species. They can make, they can make fertile offspring together. Hmm. In that case, yeah, very strange. But yeah, and then Marco Stunt. I was like, that's that's the missed opportunity. There is like they have Marco Stunt, like the tiniest little person in the world, who's not a little person. Like Marco Stunt is like four foot something and is not a little person by the medical definition. And they have Shaquille O'Neal, and I'm like, why do you not have Shaq just throwing Marco Stunt like a lawn dart? Like, I'm like, show me this. <laughs> I can see him going over the steel railing into the into the crowd. <laughs> he hits the hard cam with him. <laughs> <laughs> Throws him right at the hard cam. 100 feet out of the ring. Marco uh, Stunt bounces off it. Not for nothing. Shaquille O'Neal has not been a professional athlete for a number of years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and was not a professional wrestler. And nope. took a flying crossbody from him. A 230-pound man and fell backwards into two tables like a boss. He did, he did not move around a lot that... And it's also... That's not the end of the angle, right? Because he, myster- he mysteriously disappears out of the ambulance. They were like, let's go. We have to get a word from Shaq. He's in this ambulance. Where'd he go? I'm like, you're doing a where'd he go with Shaq? Like the biggest man on the planet? The most missing people in the world <laughs> super right have you seen that footage of um like Shaq at like tomorrowland or whatever one of those big raves like <laughs> no. it's like one of those big like outdoor music festivals like electronic music just like pl- like blasting and Shaq's just there having a great time but like again the entire crowd comes up to like underneath his pecs and he's just, like <laughs> just like dancing and you're like it looks like like a man in like just like wading through children at like an elementary school or something, <laughs> just having a great time, just dancing and, and having a jolly good old time. But like quite clearly, you're like they cut to the wide shot, and you're like, oh, there's Shaq. And he's like, yeah. hey, you can't hide that guy. Uh, I like him. I, 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 I'm glad, and I also think it's super funny that like WWE has been courting Shaq for some. I've had a couple appearances and whatever, and has been mm-hmm. courting him to try to get him to do a match for decade plus yep. and then AEW is like we're going to do it on a wednesday not even on our pay-per-view mm-hmm. <laughs> it's good times uh what wrestling have you been watching john none oh interesting interesting <laughs> <laughs> i mean i watched the ufc also <clears throat> amanda nunez destroyed a poor girl named megan anderson <laughs> megan anderson it's not fair was it good? Uh, yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, there was the the like I guess. Oh, this is the the uh, the rarest thing I think I've seen in in pro fight pro sports fighting mm-hmm. was that there was a DQ title change where oh, really? the, the the champion <laughs> disqualified himself. And since doing what? Since it's not wrestling, uh, you know, there's I want to I want to bring up the the names of the people so that I can. Properly do the yeah, properly share the shame. Yeah, dude. This he must have done something on purpose, or like, like actually. Well, pretty, pretty much. This is yeah. and this is the the call that happens. It was. Oh, God damn it. Was it low blows? No, it wasn't low blows. 
what, what, what UFC was it? 260? Mm-hmm. I saw a little gif about how much it costs to be a UFC fan and actually watch all the, the UFC content over the course of a year. And it's like $1,200. You yeah, want to get okay. all the pay-per-views and you want to pay for ESPN Plus and you want to pay for all the whatever. And it's like, that's an awful lot of fucking money. Well, they did that also with... Um, this is one of the reasons why a lot of these Android boxes, specifically like the, the Cody services and stuff like that, blew up in Europe is because... That's how much it also costs to watch like Premier League and Champions League. Like if you're a, a pro, oh yeah, if you're a footy, you're it's a crazy amount of money. It's they crazy because their fans. Woo. And and especially since like a lot of the time, if you're European, you'll want to watch both leagues, right? Like you have yeah. like your league, like the Premier League, but then you probably also want to watch Champions because it's like they're both very competitive leagues. So it's like yeah. to watch both of them, it's like yeah, it comes like two or three thousand dollars a year to have all the sports packages and whatever. And then you watch ads while it's on TV, right? Yeah, like, exactly. If, That's you know, it. If, if there's so much marketing involved with those things. They should practically pay you or let you watch <laughs> it for free. Imagine. Especially European football, right? Because yeah. like, even if there's no ads, like there's ads all over their jerseys, even at the most professional level. Yeah. Like, yeah. Hmm. All right. So, yes, it was UFC, UFC uh, 259. That was okay. the right one. And the match was... Uh, Peter Yan versus uh, Aljamain Sterling. And basically what happens is Yan gets Sterling Sterling down on his knees and Yan is still standing. And then he just, from while we're watching, he then just proceeds to just like grab Sterling's head and just knee him in the face, which is an illegal knee, like mm-hmm. because the other guy's down, right? It's like he's down on both knees. You can't knee a guy while he's down. Full contact to the head. Hey, we uh, learned that from uh, Greatest Warrior with yeah. Rampage Jackson. Yeah, exactly. When you can explode they, a man's spine and stuff. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It's like the Alexander the Great episode. It's like, this is the thing you could do to kill someone, which we're yeah. not allowed to do in UFC. Yeah, exactly. That's it. And it's like, he doesn't at least hit the top of the head or the back of the head. It is kind of the front of the head. But like, you just see, he like literally like grabs the guy's head and just drives it into his knee. And you're like, yeah. and it, is it like his head snaps gnarly? And you're like, oh, no. And then they like they call in a doctor and they're like, "Do you want to continue? Do you not want to continue?" And yes, while this no. is going on, mm-hmm. they they find out that on top of that, like it's obviously an illegal strike. So at which point maybe they could call it off, maybe they couldn't. But then where the DQ came in is the referee apparently said like, "Keep the leg down," because kind of saw him coming, and then he did it anyway. Right. Right. Warning. <laughs> so, so it's like so because he issued the warning and then immediately just like tried to do a murder. Yeah. They were like, well, it has to be a DQ, and if it has to be a DQ, you lose the title, and then the other guy wins. The other guy's like, uh, Sterling's super upset, obviously, because he's like, not like this. You yeah, know, like, yeah, like yeah. as you're a professional competitor, that's not how you want to, like, become champion. Uh, and yeah. then, and apparently there's the the whole, not, not to say that it, it justifies it or anything, but um, apparently, like, a second before, or a second before or after the ref made the call because peter uh yan whose english isn't his first language he called out to his corner like can i kick him and the corner said yes so they're like it again not the ufc's problem you need to understand what the ref is ref's going to be giving it in english i'm not saying this is an excuse but at least it potentially gives him the like he maybe didn't intend on like doing grievous harm right because like why would his corner tell him to do something there's, also, there's a big difference between kicking someone and grabbing their head and jamming it into your knee yeah as you knee him up you know like that's that's a pretty gruesome attack oh yeah it's it's like genuinely hard to watch and i'm glad that sterling 
like could walk around and kind of do an interview afterwards. Like, or he actually asked to do the interview. They originally wanted him to go to medical attention. He was like, no, 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 I wanted to do the interview. Yeah. And then the interview got cut short because they were like, you really need to go see medical attention. <laughs> <laughs> You're really not in the situation to be making these these decisions. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Amanda Nunes fights uh, Megan Anderson and like punches her in the face so hard and her eyes go so wide. And then she just kind of like catches her, grapples her into uh, like a triangle armbar with like her leg like underneath her throat and just it was like two minutes and it was just over over and done yeah and it was and it was also kind of great she brought in like because she beat the girl so fast like the girl was kind of fine afterwards right like she just like tapped to avoid having her arm busted off so it was yeah. like she handily lost but she wasn't like hurt and then like amanda's wife comes in and like with their baby and stuff and then there's like they're like hey they're taking pictures with the baby with the girl who just like annihilated her like a second <laughs> later and then amanda also had like a really cutesy uh post-fight interview where she was just sort of like she's like you thought i was dangerous before she's like i'm the lioness man she's like a lioness with a baby's even more dangerous and she just okay. walked around with her little baby that's cute you know what? You get to you get to say whatever you want when you dominate two different weight divisions against every single person who fights you. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> like, there, is she is she not GOAT at this point? Has she not smashed the shit out of every other contender? No, she still hasn't had like she's still she's creeping up on all time title defenses and mm-hmm. she's like creeping up on like all time wins. The the she definitely gets into the conversation because she's defending in two weight classes. Yeah. But there's the like purists kind of know that the 145 weight class isn't that competitive anyway like they're they're they keep saying they're going to retire it uh because it wasn't it was not a deep like if you look on like ufc i don't think there's any official rankings on the 145 because the like people just challenge nunez and then she destroys them at this point so it's hard to like rank anyone else like this this uh even megan anderson like she's only had like one fight in this weight class also like so, like, not to say just get rid of it. Like, the idea was that they would put it, bring it in, because bantamweight's 135, and uh, feather like women's featherweight is 145. So they were like, the idea was to put it in to showcase some of the more powerful strikers, like Holly Holm and Nunes mm-hmm. and stuff. But, like, the, the weight class hasn't filled out enough. So they're like, it's probably just going to maybe get dissolved, and it's just going to be like, well, you need to cut to 135 and fight bantamweight, because that's that's like the money weight class for women's fighting right now. Like mm-hmm. there's not enough women that like train up to 145. Right. So we'll see. And then, uh, Jan, uh, Blachowicz fought Israel Adesanya, who has the best fighting name ever. Yeah. He's crazy. That guy. Doesn't he the do last, the last style bender? I was going to say he does. Doesn't he do airbender gimmicks <laughs> with his hands when he's on the, he does and he does yeah. weird little introductions. Uh, yeah. he lost, but like, no. which is, which, Rex is perfect UFC record. He was 20 and 0 going in. Bummer. But he, the only reason he was in the fight was because he was already, what's under light heavyweight, Scott? You know, boxing. Oh, geez. Uh, middleweight. Middleweight. Yeah. He's, he's the middleweight champion and like has kind of like run roughshod through that division and then went up a weight and challenged the light heavyweight champion. So it's like yeah. he, he lost, but it wasn't in his weight class. And there was a lot of arguments also in general that like, why, did he even get that shot? Cause it's not even his weight class, but then they're like, well, cause he's undefeated in his. So there was like some shenaniganry there, but that was also a really good, uh, really good fight went to decision where it really seemed like, uh, was going to win, but like Adesanya was like hanging the whole time. Like it wasn't like hard to, like it wasn't like a one-sided fight. Mm. At any point. So 
Yeah, it was good times. And the the one other one-sided fight was, ha, huh, the Montreal Canadiens remembered to score again and beat the Winnipeg Jets 7-1. 7-1? <laughs> <laughs> to one. Yep. What happened? Yep. They just scored a bunch, man. <laughs> no, there's got to be some kind of story. It's, it's crazy. Well, I mean, they fired the coach. Did they fire the coach before or after we did last episode? I think it was after. 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 Yeah. yeah. So they fired Claude Julian and Kirk Muller. Uh, and then a week later, they fire goalie coach Stephen Waite. And they put Dominic Ducharme and inexplicably. Have you figured out why Alex Burroughs is, is there? Man, like, just just because Bergevin needed some hugs. <laughs> That's yeah, deep cut. <laughs> needed to walk into the locker room. Get, Thank you. Thank you, You need Mark. to explain this story to, to John for, for context, <laughs> why Alex Burroughs gives hugs. <laughs> so Alex Burroughs was a... The grinder heart and soul kind of player with the Vancouver Canucks. Mm-hmm. And uh, 2015, 2016, he got traded to the Ottawa Senators. And Pierre Dorian, the general manager of the Ottawa Senators, um, in a press conference was asked about, you know, what was the reaction to bringing in a player like Alex Burroughs? And again, like, walked- this is like like a plugger grinder third line, like not a not a game breaker. This isn't like bringing in Sidney Crosby. Sure, or anything. Sure, okay. it's like a fifteen to twenty goal guy in a regular yeah. season. Right. Mm-hmm. It says the the locker room all stood up with a tear in their eyes and walked over to him and said, "Thank you, thank you for making hockey fun again." And <laughs> gave me gave him hugs, gave him hugs for for doing what's best for the Ottawa Senators. Bringing in Alex Burroughs. <laughs> Everyone in the media was like, "What?" Uh, <laughs> was he, say, he was just trolling uh, around? No, he was trying to say that, like, I brought he in was, this great he was trying to, guy. Yeah, exactly. He was he was trying to say that the move he made was like actually like a really big, important, like powerful move for the locker room, and really was just like a dude. And even when players were asked about it, they were like. Yeah, like Burroughs is a great guy, man, but like that didn't really happen. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know, like he's a cool guy, whatever, but like Yeah. You know, it'd be like if like Scott came to your work, you'd be like and suddenly like was your coworker, you'd be like, Oh cool, Scott, that's fun. You wouldn't be like, Thank you, boss. You've changed my life. I weep, I weep openly. <laughs> You've made working good again by bringing in Scott. Like, and that's one of your very good friends. <laughs> like, you know, like yeah. John works from home, though. It'd be kind of weird if I just showed up at his house every day. You, uh, at eight o'clock. Hey, John, I'm here. <laughs> Let's get down to business. Thank you. You, uh, you using the John? <laughs> I'm just gonna take my laptop in there. <laughs> uh, a hug. Give him a hug. <laughs> uh, but yeah, then. Um, that uh that happened and then the the new coaching staff like showed some like upsides i think pretty early namely they got the power play kind of up and running mm-hmm. and and i'm not to say that this is like i think they're they're what they're they're two one and one i think in the last in the last four games since they they got new coaching staff yeah uh man i mean it's been like like i said power plays up and running and it hasn't been like night and day this it really honestly did not seem like Winnipeg was a disaster. It was just like Montreal was just like could do no wrong in the game. Like thing everything was going in, whatever else. And that's a that's a fun thing to watch. Sure. Sports. 
What else is happening? I honestly, this I think has been probably the the last like week or two has been the most disconnected from like the news cycle I've been in in quite some time. I don't know that anything's really going on. Everybody's like hunkering down with the uh, COVID stuff and kind of all right, we're all stuck at home now. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if I, the numbers have changed dramatically. Well, the numbers are like thankfully going down. I know mm-hmm. that like we've been down to below six hundred cases a day now for like the last couple couple days, which is which is good and nice. Mm-hmm. But uh, I read a kind of scary report where they were saying that with the variants in it, like shit could get real by April. Like in Toronto, they were saying like, depending on the model, they were like, you could be back up in the thousands of cases a day in Ontario again, because they're so much more communicable. And like, as the weather warms up, everybody's going to start seeing each other more and more. And these ones can transmit outside a little bit more. And they're like, urban centers are pretty scary. So we have that to maybe look forward to. Like we we're like all thinking, Oh, the spring is going to be cool. Because we're going to be able to see each other safely outside, and now they're being like, eh, "The other one is more transmissible." So, mm-hmm. yeah. Other news? I don't know that. Other any... news? I mean, uh, Biden shot down the fifteen dollar uh, oh, minimum wage. Wasn't Biden who shot this down? He didn't. Pu- he didn't push it whatsoever. He didn't. Well, he didn't support it. He didn't ask anybody to vote for it. It lost it, very, very closely. Well, Eight Democrats switched over to vote against it. Yeah. It, well, the thing is, is that there was at least the question also as to whether or not they could, right? Because there's like, there's someone on staff who's like the rules lawyer or whatever. And apparently stimulus packages must be either expenditures or taxations. And this is legislation. So he couldn't do it as part of the stimulus package. So then he had to do it in the bill. And then he didn't necessarily like drum the bill as hard as he could have. Right, right. So he couldn't, he tried to just bundle it into the stimulus package, making it also. Anyway, that's a bummer. That Still $7 an hour in some states. Can you seven, imagine making seven, seven yeah, fucking yeah. dollars an hour? Seven twenty five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the stats about that, like, we talked about it a little bit before uh, D&D last week. Mm-hmm. The, the craziest thing about that was some of those like old school senators being like, back in my day, I made $3 busting tables or whatever. And people were like, they did the math and they were like, that was 1965. And that $3 is actually about $12 an hour. So you yeah. were making more busting tables, which is like at the time was a below minimum wage job because it was like subsidized by tip, yeah. but was worth more than minimum wage now. And then yeah. also watching right-wing pundits on Fox News say that minimum wage is not supposed to be a living wage. It's supposed to get you in the door of a company, and then you're supposed to work up to, like, actually make a living wage. Get the hell out of here. Yeah. Like, I, I don't there, – there's, like, there's differences of opinions in terms of, like, how government should run. And then there's just, like, what is that? Like, who who votes – like, sees that, and they're like, yeah, people don't deserve – Rich motherfuckers who are going to benefit from low wages with their employees. Absolutely, I guess. Uh, what do you call it? The John Oliver. Um, John Oliver did a, the, the most recent one, the one that went on Sunday, March seventh. Uh, he did one about unemployment, uh, unemployment insurance, right? And he was talking about uh, first of all, there's a lot of like financial statistics about how good unemployment insurance is for the economy, mm-hmm. right? Because every dollar that you give in unemployment is spent dollar. It's not a saved dollar. It goes right back into the economy. Like mm-hmm. you're not like as like his example, he was like, yeah, because if someone gets an unemployment check, they go out and they buy, you know, like food and stuff with it. And they don't just put it in an offshore uh, account. 
never to move which, again. Which is what happens to the money if it goes into the bank of Visa or whatever, who is going to give you the loan to to pay for the money that you're not getting from unemployment. Yeah, exactly. That's it. They're like, if the money goes to rich people, it doesn't get spent. It doesn't move the needle whatsoever for the economy. Right. If you give it to unemployment, they were, and they're in fact saying that apparently like every dollar of unemployment can almost equate or equates close to $2 of expenditures, right? Because mm-hmm. people will go into savings, people will go into whatever. So they're like, from a it obviously costs the company money, but in terms of like kickstarting the economy, there's a lot of like data implying that like employment insurance is a real thing. Uh, who's who's the asshole in Florida? Was it uh, Desant DeSantos? Desant Desant Rick DeSantis? Is that a thing? I don't know. Is that right? That's the old, thing, but who's the asshole in Florida is a long list. <laughs> <laughs> the old governor of Florida, right? Uh, th- there's like a speech where him, he's like, how many people do you think are on uh, or have unemployment insurance right now in Florida? Like since my administration started, we've, he made all of these different like hoops to jump through and all that stuff. And he's like, what if I told you 61,000 people are getting unemployment right now? And there's kind of like a slow clap like in response and then it comes back to John Oliver and John Oliver was like, he's like, this is a room full of his supporters. And even they don't know if to clap. They're like, we're evil and we don't want people on unemployment, <laughs> but that number still seems really low. <laughs> like how many people are we refusing? Yeah. <laughs> like there was a certain page where like certain point in Florida where less than a hundred thousand people were getting unemployment. And you're like, the population of Florida is what? Like 30 million. Like <laughs> that's just, you're like, so, so how many people are stealing? You know, yeah. they don't, they, they can't eat. So they need to go out and knock over a fucking convenience store to get some bread. Well, right. And and the, the worst part is that that's always the, always the excuse that's used by the government as to why it's so complicated to get unemployment is they're like, we might give it to the wrong people. And you're like, okay, okay. But they're like, but if you don't give it to the right people, they're starving, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, like there, there is a, a risk reward situation here. Uh, and that's what they were saying is they were like, apparently the, um, the target is you're supposed to give on the target, the like financial analysts say that you should on average, if someone applies for unemployment, about 50% of people who apply for it should get it. That's like a a thumb kind of like measure. Hmm. And at certain phases in the, and this is like in the last 10, 15 years, like a certain point in Florida, like it was like less than 7% or something of applicants got it. And you're like, that's, they're not all trying to cheat the system, man. Like, and then there was, of course, the famous uh, Kentucky unemployment thing that happened last year. So yeah, this guy is like, um, <clears throat> he's like, oh, we got an application from this guy named Tupac Shakur that we obviously refused. And then like the very next day, he's like, I owe a Kentuckian. An apology. <laughs> There's a guy named Tupac Shakur out there. <laughs> exactly. Like, I, I had a phone call with him today. He's a real person. <laughs> and he really needed help. <laughs> and he qualifies for unemployment. <laughs> That's great. It was like, but he was like such this like, uh, and all Oliver's joke about it was like the best or whatever. And he was like, and this let this just be proof that he's like, if you're like an older white guy, hip hop is not for you. If there's anything hip hop, just stay away from it. You're the reason Macklemore is famous. And if you just heard me say that and think Macklemore's not that bad, you are definitely part of the problem. <laughs> it's like uh, the best. Uh, but yeah, I, I think the other, I guess, only real politics news that I followed was Biden buried the the, the Shogi assassination thing and was just like, that's done, right? Really? The, uh, the, the journalist. Mm, making buddies with Saudi Arabia. Fucking love it. Yeah, he was just like... It's okay, yeah, I mean, Canada's been selling them arms for as long as there have, you know... Yeah. As long as there have been arms to sell. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. I mean, like, and I mean, I think it got well, probably washed under because I think everybody saw that coming. They were like, all they had to do was just be like, case closed, and then just walk away. And I'm like, nah, the governments are the worst. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's yeah. Uh, oh yeah, and then there was the other big the the news item was that the FBI said that it was definitely white supremacists because <laughs> they kept denying it being white. They kept denying the insurrection was caused by white supremacists, and then the oh. FBI was like, "Oh no, it was. It was definitely yeah. white supremacists." <laughs> <laughs> and then Fox News proceeded to get real mad about Dr. Seuss being canceled in 2012 when the Lorax movie was coming out. They were like, "Dr. Seuss, he's a he's an awful person. He's." indoctrinating children to believe climate change is real. This is ridiculous fairy tale. And and this year they're all like, no, but Dr. Seuss, but we love him. You can't cancel him. Same people playing both sides of the fence. Obviously. I mean, and as many people have pointed out, they're like, nobody like, this is the weird thing is that nobody really asked them to do this. And it was just a state that just did it right. They're like, that's not cancel culture. Really? Yeah, if, there was no outcry. I mean, yeah, if you're going to get mad at anybody, you should get get mad at fucking Disney. You didn't have any racist comics, right? Huh? <laughs> mm, do we need to cancel his whole oeuvre because of uh, because of some comics? Uh... And I mean, like, like I said, they're, they're, the illustrations and the stuff is, like, absolutely racially charged, like, signs sure. of the time and whatever else. And they're like... Yeah, maybe just don't show that stuff to kids. That's fine. Like, didn't that's okay. he make a bunch of them where he sort of apologized for it? Like he had he had some that were particularly anti-Japanese during the war, and then later in well, life he was he also made... a political cartoonist. And yeah. this political yeah. cartoon stuff is like that's all the way racist. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like that. Some of that stuff, I wonder if it was, you know, I don't want to make apologies. First off, but. <laughs> If you you take a bill, you take you take a paycheck to make some comics that are going to be supportive of the war. Mm-hmm. That can happen, you know. Yeah, oh, prop- this, propaganda. This yeah. this stuff that that got canceled was kids' literature that had been around that I read when I was a kid. Yeah, like Cat yeah. in the Hat, that kind no. of stuff. Was uh, to think Hat. to think it happened on Mulberry Street. That's the big one. I don't That's know that one. one. Still, to think I think I saw it all on Mulberry. I, I brought that up in a conversation. I feel bad I didn't look into this nearly enough to feel good talking about it. But I, I talked about this a little bit with Debbie, and she was like, "The Cat in the Hat was about, is about black bellhops, right?" That 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 is a one reading of it. That's like yeah. a that's a, a very common that that's been drawn up a couple times. Is they yeah. were like, yeah, yeah, that's like right. that. But there's a couple of books where he interacts with other people and like all the wacky stuff he sees on Mulberry Street. And yeah, he references a Chinaman and he references some South Asian culture stuff. And it's, mm. it's not like evil, but it is racist. It's definitely like, like the, the drawings are definitely stereotypical drawings of yeah. Asian. Definitely. Like when they go to like, uh, not in Mulberry street, but in one of the other ones, they go to like an African village and it's full of like made up words. And it's like the very like African slave guy cartoon that you like what you're thinking of right now is how Dr. Seuss drew it. (laughs) And you're like, yeah, no, that's not an okay depiction of an African tribe. That's not the way you draw them. And it's, it's like Tang Tang books. Hergé has a couple of books that he has not yet. Yeah. And, and yeah, uh, Disney plus has a lot of stuff. The Muppet show has a lot of stuff now that comes with warnings. I, I seem to recall reading show. a big article about Tom and Jerry and how the very early Tom and Jerry's you cannot get. There's like 30 they, – they released a box set of Tom and Jerry that doesn't have 30 episodes of it. Well, yeah, because they lived yeah. with a 
A big black uh, lady. A big black lady. Yeah. 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 It's not great. Yeah. And and Disney has that stuff too in their comics. Uh, Uncle Scrooge comics has a bunch of like crazy racist stuff in it. You can't get it anymore. That's yeah. that's fine. It's good. You shouldn't be able to get it anymore. Yeah. I mean, you can get it if you're a library and you want to do research, but you shouldn't yeah. be publishing it and selling it to kids. Which yeah. is fine. That's that's fine. No no one's piling all those books up and burning it out of existence. They're just saying that this is not going into what is publicly available for children. And part of me starts to feel awkward every time somebody feels good about about getting some of this stuff off of the shelves when there are still black slaves in America. Yeah, you know, but I mean, and like, and like, we've had this conversation. Are, your prisoners like, is, are allowed to to work for below minimum wages, and they do so for you know. Oh, sure, but again, but the government didn't say Dr. Seuss can't be sold. Dr. Seuss, Dr. Seuss's estate said we're going to pull these books, right? Like no, no, that's no, a different story. It, like, but, like, like, but that's that's how you can, I think, in a way, kind of feel good about it, where you're like, that it's like one organization at a time. There's way bigger fish to fry. Fully yeah. agree with you, but that doesn't mean that it's like. That just because, you know, like the government won't raise the minimum wage, Dr. Seuss shouldn't also pull the racist books that he has floating around. No, you know, no, like, no, no, no. But, John, think of it this way. There's, you know, a house on fire, right? Everyone outside is standing watching this place burn. You're waiting for the firemen to get there. You don't really need a guy throwing his cigarette butts into the flames. <laughs> Sure, I it's mean, a small okay, thing. okay, but if you're gonna if you're gonna like stop one of those things, or if you're gonna like do anything, or if you're gonna feel good about any part of this, the guy putting out his cigarette butt is not something to. It's like it's so trivial in the face of a burning down house. Like, yeah, okay, good job, pat on the back. Now shut the fuck up and let's do some real work. Mm-hmm. But then we wouldn't have a podcast yeah. college, podcast there pop culture podcast. <laughs> yep. Yeah. No, no, I, I think I, I, not. I think I understand exactly what you're saying, but I also like I don't think there's necessarily a problem in like enjoying or at least enjoying certain small victories because I don't know. I believe in I guess maybe like the ripple effect of like you're like hey you know what like there there's kids who are now gonna grow up in not have weird racist cartoon just floating around like at bedtime for no reason. Like I don't know what that's gonna do to that kid growing up. Like. Because what was it doing to the kid growing up? Was he did a kid grow up thinking that African is Africa is like a weird backwards country full of like these weird whatever? Like, you know, like there's stuff that in the long term it's a small victory. It's a very small victory. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to be like we solved racism by getting rid of Dr. Seuss books. Absolutely not. But there's like it's there's something to be said for eliminating the idea of the other just because of a cultural or global geographical difference yeah like we, we talked about this with the the, the cleveland uh, football team the washington football team the washington football team and the cleveland baseball team yes. and the edmonton football team yes yeah exactly where you're like there is a part of like a normal like normalizing certain elements of racism that like a kid growing up with this stuff normalized it it's it enters into his head differently Right, like. But if all the effort that had been put into discussing and wringing their hands over and getting in the news and whatever talking about this stuff had instead been directed at politicians to to stop, I don't know, profiling black people mm-hmm. by the police or get some police reforms in, all of that effort, all of the discussion, all of that had gone into police reforms. Would something yeah. actually meaningful maybe have happened? 
I mean, even when something meaningful happened, it didn't happen that much. Did you hear about the no knock, uh, no knock versus knock uh, break-ins? No. So one of the one of the states that uh, abandoned no knock, uh, no knock warrants, right, where you can just bust bust in the thing. Yeah. The the law that got passed into place was that you had to knock and wait twenty seconds, and then you could bust the door down. How often do you answer the door in twenty seconds? <laughs> You're like, what does that even mean? Yeah. In twenty seconds, the UPS guy has filled out that paper, stuck it to my door, gotten back in his truck, and driven away with the package. <laughs> yeah, but um, he's but he's doing he's it. He's a like, professional. He's a pro, on, buddy. I am <laughs> out there in flip flops in my bathrobe, running after the big brown truck. <laughs> going, no, I don't want to have to machine. machine. <laughs> Yeah. No, it's UPS. It's in Lachine, oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that and that was and the, the they had like quotes or whatever from like the lawmakers passing it to be like anything more than twenty seconds, and they could like flush evidence down the drain. And then they were like, "But wait, okay, but what evidence can be flushed down the drain in twenty seconds? That's still one flush. And ideally speaking, if you're busting in people's doors, they're gonna have more contraband than could be disposed of in one flush. <laughs> like, so you're like." Like you shouldn't be like busting into people's houses with guns and drawn and all that stuff if the amount of contraband you suspect to be in the house is one flushable. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like, uh, and then, then like, and then they they had obviously there was like the counterpoint. They had someone on that they were talking about is they were just sort of like, or here's a cool thing: you don't bust into suspected drug users' houses with guns. Like you just don't do it. Why are we risking people's lives for drug offenses? This is like, it's a shitty thing to do to cops to be like, hey, they probably have guns. You have guns. Let's just do a big like shootout for what? I don't know, man. Cocaine? Wait, is anyone's life in danger? Nope. Is anyone being like hurt here? Well, I mean, like in the long sense, yeah, like drugs and whatever is bad. But like, okay, it's like, it's like, did they kidnap someone? No, no, no. Everybody just go bang, bang, bang. (laughs) It's so insane and backwards. They're like, yeah, that should just be, you should just handle those different. (laughs) Like, did you guys watch anything? Uh, no, but I listened to a podcast about Tron that I kind of wanted to talk about. About Tron. About Tron. The original one? The original one. Is there anything interesting to say about Tron? Actually, yes. Well, okay. first of all, the the production of it was is really, really cool if you look it up uh, in terms of just how, where they were at in terms of computer animation and kind of what they had to do. Like, they were talking to the director of it who didn't know what the film was going to look like. And I don't mean that in the, like, during the pitch. Like, during filming... Because they're just filming on black and white. They're filming blue screen, but like on in on black and white film, and then sending it off to the production guys to do the CG. Wasn't and then a whole he, bunch of it kind of hand painted on the cells? A, a bunch of it's also like hand painted yeah. and stuff like that. And then he was getting his like air quote dailies back, which were Polaroid photos of the film <laughs> sent back to him by mail. And he's like, "This is kind of what the scene is going to look like." He had no idea what he was filming, like all to like what the end thing was. Like he obviously had it like. I'm pretty sure I have no idea what the end thing was, too. So it happened. A lot like George Lucas. (laughs) But yeah, the other thing that was kind of interesting is that uh, uh, during this podcast that I was listening to, which is called Imaginary Worlds, is they were just saying they were like, the premise of Tron is that a, a corporation is not run by human beings, but is in fact run by an AI computer that's just like making the best decisions. And they were like, does that sound like the Facebook algorithm or the YouTube algorithm or the Google algorithm where you're like the company? And then we're like, this is in the real world. In like 2020, you had Mark Zuckerberg being like, well, we didn't know it. It was the algorithm. 
like saying that in front of like a Senate hearing. Mm -hmm. And then you're like in 1981, 40 years earlier, it was like declared preposterous that a computer would be like manipulating what a company does. And I thought that was kind of like weirdly prescient, like for something that was just nonsense. And that was the other kind of thing that the podcast pointed out was that a lot of people said that like it was super far fetched and impossible Whereas like they, they talked about like a cyberpunk, uh, like film studies person. They were like, when you watch Tron now, you're like, oh yeah, it's like, an, this is the easiest plot in the world. Like evil computer takes over a company. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're like how, how normal that seems. What now. a tragedy that the solution to Facebook isn't like bike video games or like racquetball. <laughs> right. <laughs> no. let's, let's, no, play, let's play exploding Frisbees. <laughs> John, John, I'm going to, I'm going to come out here and say it was, and we lost. Uh-huh. Because oh, because Facebook did have a money making process that didn't rely on the algorithm and data mining, and it was Farmville, and you all said no, Scott, I'm not going to send you a sheep, <laughs> and they lost all of that money, <laughs> and now they have to sell our information and target us with with ads rather than just running on that sweet sweet um, grow sheep my carrots, money. yeah. Sheep money. Then they had, uh, it was also interesting because they like, well, well, as the podcast went on, uh, they were talking to a guy who was like talking about, they're like, well, they're like, what is the algorithm anyway, kind of thing. And they were talking specifically about uh, the YouTube algorithm where he's like, there's like, there's two reasons that the algorithm is like fundamentally evil, <laughs> which is namely that they were like, it wants, like its primary initiative is to keep you on the platform. That's like what it's trying to do. So the next video that it's going to queue up is going to be as tailor-made and as watchable to you as possible. That's what it's absolutely okay, trying to that's do. That's not like, evil. It's not evil. <laughs> but they're like, but then the more that you're, the reason that it's keeping you on is obviously to get more information about you, to sell to advertisers, to mine your, your watching habits, and then also to advertise to you directly, right? Mm-hmm. Again, you're like, none of that's evil. Yep. But the algorithm is not like capable of evil. But they were like, when you apply that, to say something like QAnon, right? They're like, it's going to like only send you the most persuasive videos that people engage with the most, that people watched the whole thing of, that did whatever, where it's like, it's going to give you always the most, like the most eye-catching version of whatever you're watching and always trying to keep you on. And the next video is going to be like as good or better or as good or better. And it's just trying to keep you on. So they were like, it's not, they're like, in terms of propagating misinformation, because they were like, the algorithm, like YouTube, that algorithm works fine if you're only dealing with entertainment, right? If you're only mm-hmm. dealing with entertainment, you're like, it's just going to give me better and better entertainment. But they're like, but now if you're going to deal with things that people are treating as news, the algorithm isn't treating it as news. The algorithm is just trying to like send you the most like interactive, like engaging thing. And it doesn't give a shit if it's news. But the viewer doesn't know that he's not watching news. And the algorithm doesn't know that he's not giving him news. But the viewer thinks he is watching news. So that's how you end up with, like I said, not necessarily evil, but it's like, and it, and there's not even anything that like, not to say anybody did wrong. And they were saying, but like, how do you undo that? It's because you're like, oh. I know how. You, you've got all that facial recognition software, right? So you ask the thing two questions. Was this video filmed in a pickup truck? And is the guy wearing Oakley's? <laughs> yes to both. Then warning comes up. Yeah. By the way, watching yeah. some idiot on the internet. Yeah, exactly. But that that's kind of what the, the programmer guy sort of sort of alludes to, right? Is that they were just sort of like the things like the like specifically the YouTube and the Facebook algorithms were never designed to handle news. And they never should have handled news and mm-hmm. nobody should have ever used them to like 
send out anything news. You should have been like, anything that you read on Facebook or watch on YouTube cannot be news. (laughs) Which is kind of interesting, I think, because they were like, just because the way they, like I said, they're just, they want your data and they want to advertise at you. They don't care about what content is doing it. Anyway, I thought it was kind of interesting that, you know, they made a movie in 1981, literally 40 years ago, that a robot took over a company and everyone was like, that's crazy and preposterous. And now we're just like, that seems like a near future inevitability. Maybe <laughs> like. Anyway, Tron. Beep, boop, 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 boop. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, you just got see anything. Yeah, I watched Ryan the Last Dragon, the new Disney movie. Starring Aquafina from Queens. Man, she is great in it. I'm not gonna lie. Her she's voice funny is perfect. in almost everything. Like she's she's great. <laughs> and Yeah, it was great. Uh the movie was awesome. It had a weird mix of um like fighting but not a fighting message. So there are action scenes that happen, but not um not in the way that it was the be-all, end-all of the movie. I, and, I don't know what the plot of the film was. There's, um, it so it's in, a, no, it's in a magical lands. Uh, there was a, a, a magical plague that took over the kingdoms, and the dragons got together to um, purge this plague, but in the end... They only managed to save the humans from the plague, and all of the dragons disappeared. And, and that's where Sean Connery comes in. <laughs> I am the last one. Uh, and then the the kingdoms all shattered, and they ended up being at each other's throats all the time. And uh, there's like a quest to restore balance to the world, and the blight comes back because of some plot reasons. <laughs> And uh, she and the hero Raya ends up uh, on a quest to stop the blight. And the first stop of her quest, she ends up conjuring a dragon, the last of the dragons, to go with Sean her. Connery, Aquafina. I know it's actually Aquafina. <laughs> Is her first basically... name Sex Tina? No. I wonder if it's a reference though to it. Like I mean, Sex it has Aquafina. to be, doesn't it? Probably. But it's also, it's spelled Aquafina like awkward, though, not Aqua like Aquafina. Oh. So, right. her real name is Nora. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they go on in a quest through the Five Kingdoms to put together this gem that will let them use the dragon magic again to save the world. And then Thanos tries to stop them. A little bit. But it's, <laughs> it's cool because not every one of the quests that they have to go through, like they're all kind of handled differently. So it's kind of like a good D and D game and not a bad, we have to fight the bad guy at every single one of these stops. <laughs> and they have like different ways of doing it. Like one is a trap way. Another one is a social solution. Another one is like a thief solution. And the last one is kind of a martial arts, but that doesn't really work in the end kind of way. And I dug it a lot and the whole fam kind of enjoyed it. Now, uh, it is $35 on Disney Plus right now. If you Wow, wow, wow. What? <laughs> wow, wow, wow. $35. Did you pay yep. that money, Scott? 
Yes. Why? Yes. I legal I legally downloaded that from <laughs> because he's a family sites. man. It's like a, you know what it, 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 it is a moral family experience. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's a moral it lesson. It, it costs less thirty. Listen, this is what Disney does. It costs less than to take the full family to the like movies, right? It's a brand new movie. Fuck right? Disney. <laughs> Uh, in answer to the previous question, you also uh, pay a monthly fee for that service, right? Yeah, yep. you pay monthly, and then they want another thirty-five dollars from you to watch their oh, one yeah. fucking movie. Mm-hmm. It's like That's what they it. did with Mulan, and there was there was no way I was going to let my son learn that I had pirated that movie. Mm-hmm. So I did the right thing. Good, good. Lied to him. <laughs> <laughs> And then and then watched Pirates of the Caribbean to show him how cool pirates were. Exactly. Um, huh. In answer, now the movie the question, was fun. Though, oh. I was going to say, uh, Sextina Aquafina is probably very just based on Aquafina, right? So yeah. Bojack Horseman comes out in 2014. Okay. Aquafina was already rapping on YouTube as Aquafina in 2012 with her hit single "My Vag." So like I mean the, that's that's sixteen Aquafina. Exactly, that's it. So it's like sixteen Aquafina is probably just straight up based on Aquafina already. So brap, brap, there brap. you have popping babies. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh Bojack. Uh, Time for a new season, buddy. So no, it's very done. Is it's it? Gotta be done. I don't yeah. think so. Well, how could it move on from the last season? It was the series it said series finale. Yeah? Yeah. Nobody even Maybe. talks to him anymore. Huh. You know, there's that last scene with him and Diane up on the roof and they haven't spoken in six months. And then he's like, he just goes away. That yeah. one that faded, faded away on the ending. The ending was not strong. The last, the last half of the last season, we only finished watching it a couple months ago. And I was like, it was good. And yeah. it was like satisfying, but it like lacked the kick of hmm. the most of the Bojack first. Maybe I never finished the second half of it. Because they cut it in two, right? I'm yeah. sure I saw the end of it. There's no way I would have missed it. But yeah, uh, but so yeah, Ryan the Last Dragon, watch, watchable. Yeah, actually, really watchable. I, I liked it a lot. It it was more D and D than I think Disney has gotten hmm. before, and I kind of dug that. And they the way that there wasn't just a one note thing where like each time they went to go get another piece of the dragon gem they solved it a different way and mm-hmm. that was kind of cool. I dug it. Neato. Yeah. Do you want to rank it? Is that a... Yeah, sure. I put a bunch yeah. of Disney movies on the list anyway. Sure enough. Well. Yeah. Fleshing out the list with kids cartoons. I mean... I watched a movie that I think we should all uh, all rewatch. I mean, it was the number one movie in the box office this weekend. Wow, really? Right of the Last so Dragon was number one in the box office. office. How yeah. do they how do they measure that these days? Because a lot of America's movie theaters are open, really? and it's also in theaters. Yeah, of course. Didn't yeah. you hear Texas is just Texas opened up completely? I did, I did hear that, and but I also heard a lot of businesses were like, "Fuck no." Yeah, but then a lot of people are like, "Screw you!" The government doesn't tell you to anymore, and then are like throwing bricks through windows of businesses and stuff. Right, <laughs> Texas. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to get into it too much. I'm just this is just filler while while Scott takes a look at the list. But I watched uh, Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet. Hot damn! I love that movie. Hell yeah! It got so much criticism when it came out for like sexifying up the fucking Shakespeare. And my my Shakespeare, my English teacher that year was the was the like the teacher at our school who directed all of the Shakespeare programs. And we had two Shakespeare 
performances per year. Mm -hmm. It was like our school was big, big, big on the Bard. And he was like, guys, Shakespeare is about sexifying everything up. That's what Shakespeare did. He made violent, sexy fucking rock and roll movies to, to entertain people. So yeah, exactly. Like take on Romeo and Juliet would have tickled him. He would yeah, have been absolutely. Delighted. That's it. It was. It was as much. It was always as much for the masses as it was for anybody else, right? Absolutely. Like it was like, go, go see like uh, what was um, taking Shakespeare in like liberal arts and stuff like that, where they talked about yeah, like fight scenes would often be like long and drawn out on stage because people just love fights, man. Totally. <laughs> like show me that. Show me that sword play, baby. You know, like that's watching an action movie. It, it was Kate Winslet and Leonardo DiCaprio, right? Uh, no, it was Claire Danes and Leonardo DiCaprio. Claire Danes. Yeah. So also featuring yeah. uh, John Leguizamo as Tybalt, the cat. Wonderful, friend. wonderful performance. And yeah. Paul Rudd as uh, Paris. Oh, I don't and remember him. <laughs> it, it's very, yeah. very small in it. It's like yeah. he's like almost a non. Yeah. It's only noteworthy because he became Paul Rudd now. Yeah. And uh, that guy from Lost playing Mercutio. <laughs> yep. He was <laughs> yeah. in everything for yeah. a while. Yeah, exactly. That's it. He's in the Matrix movies. Yeah, he's also in the Matrix movies. He replaced... brother-in-law. He replaces the the one the mem- one of Tanker Dozer. He's their brother-in-law. The, yeah, the one who uh, the one who like demanded too much money. And he was like, "You can't like, make a Matrix. You can't make a Matrix movie without me. I'm Dozer." And you're like, "What? <laughs> Have you seen the Matrix?" <laughs> uh, All right, I'm looking on? at the list. I'm looking at the list. I'm looking at like. 52 is where Princess Mononoke is. That's pretty high. Dude. Yeah, but I'm looking at the other, like, kid stuff. and How much, like, higher is it than oh. Zootopia? It's better than Zootopia, easily. Like, how much better? Well, I mean, if you go up a little more, you get, from Zootopia, you get to number 83, and the Lego Movie 2 is there. Lego and Movie 2 is okay. I, I like it a little it. too high. I'm sorry, guys, I didn't update it since the last one. We're, uh, we're By the last couple. one, you mean like the last six months? Yeah, not six months, but like three. <laughs> also, I realized uh, that we are, are fools and idiots. Oh. Um, we, I feel we should have done something for episode like 925. Like it literally is nine to five. Oh, yeah. We missed out on that one, huh? <laughs> here we are at episode 930. 230. Oh, no, 230. So great. We're not at episode 900. That's insane. We got like 700 to go. Yeah. Yes, that's it. I don't know why. <laughs> In 700 episodes, stay that's tuned. Okay. Be big. Twos are kind of like nines. <laughs> it's going to be big, you guys. <laughs> Stick around for another. Wait, we do fifth. We do 25 a year. <laughs> Stick around for another uh, 70 years of <laughs> the nine to five entertainment system. Then you'll be blown away. Uh, it's got to be below Princess Mononoke, though. Like, let's be real. You're muted or something, Scott. Yeah. I want to see where I put it. I'm looking at TMNT at number 81. TMNT is very good. It, this was very good too. I think they're they're comparable. Let's, yeah, let's TMNT, it... TMNT though uh, has. Have you heard about this? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in it. <laughs> it's true. It's true, and I love TMNT, man. That's that's a great, and it's a good, it's like one of the probably the best on screen version of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So I feel that like yeah, I'm gonna I, put it I'm gonna put it right under TMNT, right above the Mighty Ducks. All right, I think that's where it belongs. Above Mighty Ducks. Yep, I, I watched Mighty Ducks really recently, and it's did fine. it hold up? It's fine. Is it, is it good at eighty two? 
Yeah. Okay. It's like a very good kids movie for yes. sure. It drops it drops off hard though. <laughs> like the later ones. Yeah, two two is trash and three is like complete garbage. Yeah, the new one looks awful. I haven't seen the trailers. Is there a trailer? Yeah, there's a trailer, and it looks awful. The only guy coming back is Estevez. They don't bring back any other kids. But they're not doing anything. Aren't they all fifty and have careers. Yeah, but they something. could come in as coaches, like Alex Burrows, and then everyone would be like, thank you, okay. and give them hugs. <laughs> or or parents of kids who are trying out for junior hockey. Mm. Yeah. You, they you don't get... need big roles, but you should kind of touch base with the actual stars of the first three movies. But wait a second, though. It is Disney, so maybe that's all under wraps, right? Maybe. Or maybe somebody looked at, at the bank account and was like, is anybody going to remember these nobodies? Fuck them. We're Disney. I don't know. I feel like you could have at least gotten Joshua Jackson back. Probably. Or the, the nerdy guy. The nerdy kid with glasses. He's not doing anything. <laughs> Elton Brand. You know, people recognize him from Daredevil. That's that's fine. Yeah, exactly. Uh, what? Oh, yeah. Did we want to assign uh, Scott that, film, that movie? Yeah. Wrap, wrap wait, wait, wait. Before we do that, I want to just say WandaVision ended, and that oh, yeah. was crazy. We're going to talk about it on uh, Garbage Time, I guess. Because we're just going to rant about WandaVision for a while, which I feel the whole internet did. All right, fine. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, like, I've seen so many WandaVision finale thing pieces that I was like, I do want to talk about it with you, but I was like... That's what? only because you're on YouTube it's and the algorithm is giving content. it to you. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's the algorithm is giving it to Keith over and over again. Mm-hmm. I would say that if you, wanna, if you want pretty solid takes as is weirdly the case in most situations on WandaVision, the entire season of it, you can watch the uh, pitch meeting for WandaVision. That's good. Today. I watched half of it and then I got bored and turned it off. I was like, <laughs> I, I didn't see this. I don't care. Yeah. But it, it, it points out why people got excited. It points out why people got disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> and then it kind of, is, is, is it disappointment at the end? Again, we'll talk about it on on Ooh. garbage time. Like where the this is the okay. tune in tune into the premium content behind our paywall. Uh-huh. Here's ramble on about WandaVision. <laughs> I just feel that like Scott and I could probably ramble on this for a while and sure. hitting the sure. hour. And what's been said about it has been said by a lot of people. Boy, you're selling that premium content right there. You, it's it's going to be fun, said. you guys. I know everybody has thoughts thoughts and feelings about WandaVision. Yeah, uh, but I also have thoughts and feelings, and exactly. you want. To- you want to hear Scott's thoughts and feelings about it. <laughs> Tune in to Garbage Time. <laughs> Patreon.com slash 9to5cc. Uh, worst best movie ever? Yeah. What do we settle on at the end? I feel like... I think the star, the star-studded film. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That one, that one, that one. For oh, sure, no. for sure, for sure. It's so star-studded, Scott. There's so many people in it. You're going to love it. You're going to love the hell out of this movie. Okay. I'm bringing up the list of people over here. So this is a comedy, right? So it's right up your alley. Mm, I like I like to laugh. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have it in front of you, Keith? I do. I have I have a buddy. I'm trying to figure where uh, where to where to start. Start with some of the names. You know, start building the roster. I will say, yeah, that the a person who was approached to do the film but who declined to take part mm-hmm. was George Clooney. Okay. Yep. <laughs> so George Clooney. He's a selective a selective film. Turned this film down. Actor. Yep. Um. Well, we no, start with the cast. Not. I saw Batman and Robin. The cast, the cast is crazy. Uh, Leave Schreiber. I think he became selective because of that film. Maybe. <laughs> uh, Chris Pratt. 
Mm-hmm. We like Chris Pratt. Oh, yeah. Kristen Bell. Yep. Emma She's Stone. Funny. Yep. Emma Stone's fantastic. Um, Richard Roper, who noted uh, movie critic from, uh, I want to say, the Chicago Sun-Times, quoted as saying, this film is the Citizen Kane of awful. <laughs> I believe that was Ebert and Roper, right? Like he replaced. Uh, yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> the, the, the film took nearly a decade to get into production and most studios rejected the script outright. So a, lo- a love, love affair from the director. All writer. the same. It managed to attract other talent like Terrence Howard, Hugh Jackman, Uma Thurman, Kate Winslet, Jason Sudeikis, you know? Ah, these are funny people. Jogging any memories here, Scott? No. Um, Featuring, uh, there's a a couple of directors work on it, including Bob Odenkirk. Uh, James Gunn Uh directed a a segment for this film. Weird. (laughs) Um, And, I mean, like, your mileage may vary, but uh, one of the Farrelly brothers uh, was kind of at the helm of this. Who they're not necessarily, it's not like, I know that they kind of, have some like swings they and have some misses whatever, but, yeah. but there's like like that's dumb and dumber and stuff like there's some funny funny stuff that come out of the Farrelly brothers but this was like the the Fer- like peter Farrelly was one of the main uh guys around it any anything oh, anything John? anything scott yeah well i'm looking at some comments here and they're really awful <laughs> <laughs> such as here's uh, Holly Berry can no longer point to Catwoman as the worst movie she's ever been in. <laughs> That's yeah, those are fighting words. <laughs> oh. What? oh man, they're just ripping this movie apart. They don't have any plot to point to. The reason there's no plot to point to this film is because it's an anthology film. The film is movie forty three mm-hmm. and is actually made up of. I want to let's count them up. 14 different vignettes in the film. That's why there's the, the crazy cast with mm-hmm. like nothing really uh, tying them together, just different sketches and, and different scenes and scenarios. Uh, but yeah, Richard Gere is also in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently Richard Gere is, is in the film, but attempted to like, when he realized what was going on, tried to like extract himself from it <laughs> like as it was happening, tried to get out of the project while like, he had already signed up to it. How did oh they rope God. people into this? They probably didn't didn't know. You know, and I'm like, but, but, but that's it. It's like, it's, you're not, and but like all of the feedback I've heard about this this piece of trash is that like it's not just like one or two bad sketches that kind of like spoil the bunch. It's like it's bad from like start to finish. Hmm. Like every single, I, don't, I just want to see here. Like I I just picked a random vignette called iBabe. Mm-hmm. Uh, a developing company is having a meeting at their headquarters over their newly released product, the iBabe, which is a life-size realistic replica of a nude woman, which fun- which functions also as an MP3 player. The boss listens to his various worker argues over the placement of a fan that was built into the genital region of the iBabe, which is cutting off the penises of teenage boys who attempt to have sex with him. The board members then agree to strongly emphasize the dangers, the product by its new commercials and scene. 
starring Richard Man. Gere as Boss. <laughs> this sounds like the last half hour of every Saturday Night Live ever. <laughs> I am movie. so excited we chose this for you, Scott. I didn't realize how good a choice this was. Julie and Doug have been in a relationship for a year. When he attempts to propose to her, she reveals to him that he, she is a coprophiliac and asks him to defecate on her in the bedroom. Urged by his best friend Larry and others to go along with it, he eats a large meal and drinks a bottle of laxative prior to the event. Scott, it's just for you. Wait, why is that scene just for me? <laughs> I feel like oh, no. your, your extra levels of disturbedness at um, um, Human Centipede, I feel like it's it's perfect. Yep. Yep. Anyway, I'm very, very excited for this film. We were a little bit worried that it might be uh, like one of those completely buried films, but apparently, at least it's on at YouTube. Least, yeah. At least a quick Google is it's it's on you. I mean, it's on YouTube's pay service for five dollars. Yeah. Yeah. So teach Just the lesson to your child, which you've paid for Disney one seventh, one seventh <clears throat> plus monthly. Yeah. Yeah. This is. Uh, I, I guess try All to right. get the. Um, Try to get the extended one, which uh, features the sketch Find Our Daughter, uh, which was cut from the film, uh, which is the one that was written and directed by Bob Odenkirk, where Mode and George are looking for their breast-flashing daughter, Susie, with the help of a private eye who is behind the camera with only one clue, which is a small video that features their daughter. That's the joke. I feel like there should be a rule about our best movie ever, which is that if there is a director's cut available, you have to watch it. <laughs> see see if, the, the, if the, the true yeah. the true vision. Yeah. Uh, are you Wonderful. excited for this, Scott? I'm watching the trailer right I'm now. I'm excited for you. <laughs> <laughs> the trailer doesn't look bad, honestly. Like I remember the trailer when it came out. Like I guess out of the the, the fourteen vignettes and the the runtime, I believe, is also right, 94 minutes, hour and a half runtime. Uh, like, they could put together, like, a minute or two of, like, so-so looking stuff. Because I remember the trailer when it coming out, not necessarily being hyped, but I was like, eh, I could, I, I could see this on a cheap night. And then, like, the reviews came in, and I was like, oh, no. Like, don't do it. But the trailer's not the worst thing in the world, as you, as you just... It's true. Johnny Knoxville and Sean William Scott in a scene together. I'm like, all right. Yeah, that's my thing. <laughs> oh. I, oh yeah that before before we close off i did want to, want to draw attention to that that brief facebook interaction because i thought it was so funny and i don't think uh uh i don't think nadine realized how funny it was <laughs> <laughs> so uh scott's friend nadine uh um married to tim uh, Nadine posts on Facebook. She was just sort of like, "Oh my God, Tim is showing Nolan their son, like Kenny versus Spenny," and and, uh, and Pac-Man Scott's wife was just sort of like, "No, why?" And I just commented, "I was like, could be worse." And it was just a gif of like, "Hi, I'm Johnny Knoxville. Welcome to Jackass." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I was like, "It's so much worse. It's so much worse." I was like, yep. "And and yeah, just uh, I, I really want to add a, like, when is the point where you can start showing Archer Jackass? High school." High school? Yeah. There's hey, a, great there's, there's 12, a danger of imitation at whatever age. You know, it's it could so be. funny, though. Yeah. <laughs> 12, 13. That's the yeah. age. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm trying to think. When when did it start? How old you were? 
Jackass? Uh, yeah, okay. So Jack, because I remember it as it was coming out, and so October 2000, so I was 16. When it, no, yeah. I just turned 17. So yeah, I was I was older, definitely. But like, I still remember like as it came out, I was like, yes! Hold on, hold on, but that's Jackass. You remember Can't Kill Yourself, Volume 2, right? See, which oh, was yeah. Even, which was even better, <laughs> sort of, rawer anyway. Not much earlier though. That was CKY two or the CKY series only started in ninety eight, ninety nine. So it was still like fourteen, fifteen. But yeah, the CKY yeah, videos. Cause I used to watch. Yeah. I used to watch a lot of skate videos too with my my skateboarding yeah. friends yeah. or whatever. And then the CKY stuff came out, and it was like, I always remember that like my favorite part like. Skate videos are such a like a lost art. This is solid garbage time talk. For more on garbage time, <laughs> go to patreon.com slash 9to5cc <laughs> to hear me wax poetic about skate videos. And, and, uh... and 96 quite bitter beings. <laughs> 90X, everybody. Hi, thanks for sticking around to the very end of this show. That means you're our number one fan. As our number one fan, maybe you're wondering a way that you can show your support for this. We've set up a few ways, and the boys are going to tell you about it now. If you like this show, you might know other people that like this show, or maybe they'll like some of the other stuff that we're doing on the website. If that's the case, you can tell them all about it using all of the social networks, like Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. We're on all of those. Or you could just you know, send people links directly to the website. Or if you live in a world without the internet and you only listen to podcasts, you can tell people about it with your human mouth. There's other ways we could support us, John. If your interest in supporting us extends to the financial section, you might consider patreon.com slash 9to5cc. If you go there, you can get perks like early content, you can get your questions answered on the air, and you can get extra art. We've been doing this show for a long time, so we kind of know what we're doing. Not really. <laughs> 9to5.cc. Podcasts, blogs, and comics. Made in Montreal since 2011.